Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Pray together. Almighty God, thank you for the promises we have in you. We thank you that you come and you give us hope and you give us peace, you give us joy, you give us your presence. We pray this morning, Lord, that we'd be open to you, that we would open our hearts and our minds and our lives, that you might step in and move us, transform us, draw us close to you. And we'll give you the praise this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2. It's Pentecost Sunday, and we celebrate this morning uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit to live within us, to dwell within us. That's an incredible gift that God has given us, and we want to celebrate that this morning. So if you came downhearted, it's time to pick it up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, And open yourself up to the Spirit of God, because He has some joy. He has some peace. He has a presence to transform you wherever you're at right now, to move you to a place filled with His joy and His love. So in Acts chapter 2, we read, when the day of Pentecost came, they, that's the disciples, were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing this God's most holy word. Let's prepare. We're uh, highly concerned about um, the order of things. Uh, just take a deep breath. There you go. We'll be all right. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, Mark caught me on it <clears throat> by a surprise. Uh, we have been... Uh, talking about the Holy Spirit for the last three weeks. And, and what an incredible gift the Holy Spirit is to think about uh, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and giving us direction and helping us see the truth. And uh, that's an incredible gift. And, and then to know the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It gives us strength 
encouraged to move into places and to go places that we might not usually uh, or um, within ourselves be able to go and to do and to be. And, and that's just an incredible gift to get up every morning to realize that you have the power of, sp- of the Spirit in your life. And then last week we talked about the peace of, of the Holy Spirit that, that comes into our lives and that we can have peace even in the most difficult circumstances because we know that our God is with us. And, and that's an incredible gift. And this morning, as we think about the gift of the Spirit, um, we celebrate this morning Pentecost. But, but I want to be very clear about something when it comes to Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. It's not Pentecost because the Holy Spirit came. You with me? The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. It's not Pentecost because the Holy Spirit came. Pentecost was already a Jewish feast, a Jewish holiday. And so the disciples had gotten together because it was a Jewish holiday. They were celebrating Pentecost. So you need to know what Pentecost was to begin with. And for the Jews, Pentecost is that celebration when they came together at Mount Sinai and received the law and made covenant with God and became God's people. You with me? So what happened was 50 days after Passover, they found themselves at the base of Mount Sinai. And you remember, Moses goes up the mountain. You remember that? And he gets the law. And he also gets, by the way, the, the, uh, the plans or the pattern for the tabernacle. It's important to remember that. So he not only got the law, but he also got the tabernacle, which is the means of grace when you can't fulfill the law because God knew you wouldn't be able to fulfill the law. So he automatically gave you a means of grace. God is, do you understand how good God is? So as they are at the base, when Moses comes down the second time, as you remember, they make covenant with God. And they say to God, you're going to be our God. And God says, if I'm your God, you will be my people. And I will go with you. And he begins to make promises to the people of God. Now, why is all this important? Because the disciples were celebrating the fact that they were part of the people of God because of this covenant that they had with God. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God comes to them. And it comes in, in, in wind and in fire and it, it fills them, it touches them, it moves them, it, it, it enforces the covenant that they make with God. And God says, you are mine, and this is how you know you're mine, because the, my spirit now lives within you. You are mine. You with me? This is really important. Now, I keep saying you, and you may be thinking, Me. But you see, that's where we get confused. Because when God comes to us, He comes to we, not to me. Listen very carefully. This is very important. You know, sometimes uh, I think we misunderstand the promises of God because frequently we read the promises of God as promises to me, not to we. 
You see, we, we live in a society, in our culture in particular, where we're very individualistic. And so when we look at ourselves, we, we think of ourselves as individuals. And so when God comes to us, He comes to me. But I want you to see very clearly in our Scripture this morning that when God comes to God's people, God comes to we. To us, plural. Not to me, individual. Now I know that's not good English, but I I hope you can get the the point across. Look closely at our Scripture again. I I know some of you never even got it out, but I I just want to say this again, because I want you to hear this. Okay, this is very important. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That's important. We read through that. We all, oh yeah, well, of course, they were all together. So what? That's important. They were all together in one place. They were together. And the Spirit came to them. Look what it says in verse 2. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seems like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You see, the idea here and the understanding here is that when God sends His Spirit, He sends His Spirit to us. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? That when He sends His Spirit, the, the, uh, the flames come individually. But it comes as one and then separates. But when the Spirit, the wind comes, the wind comes to all at once. You see, when the Spirit came, the Spirit made us the people of God. That's why the Spirit came on Pentecost, by the way. God is trying to help you understand that we are the people of God. And so when we come together, the Spirit of God works through us. And when that happens, amazing things take place. And when amazing things take place, then you experience the fullness of Pentecost. When we talked about the Spirit coming to live within us, many of you thought, yeah, He lives in me. I want you to know that He lives in us. Jesus said this, when, when he was, well, the prophet said this, when Jesus was to be born, he was to be called what? Do you remember? Emmanuel, God with me. No, that's not what it means. What's it mean? God with us. Do you get it? God with us, not with me, with us. When God came to the people of Israel, he said, You will be my people. And I will walk with you. And I will lead you. And and He sent the the fire by day and the cloud by night. And He didn't just lead one person at a time. They didn't get to the the Red Sea and God said, okay, uh, Charlie, you're first. Because I'm going to lead you, Charlie. And Charlie went across. And then God came back and said, well, let's see, who should I do next? You didn't know there was a Charlie there? See, see, Kenny, you, you just have to 
you have to understand how all these words come to be. Uh, it was a f- figure of speech there, Kenny. I, I know that's a little hard for you, but it's a figure of speech. Uh, a name, uh, any name. Pick a name, Kenny. Pick a name. Kenny. And God said, Kenny, I want you to follow me. And Kenny, by himself, went across through on dry ground. And then God, no, that's not how it worked. Sorry, my voice is changing. That's not how it worked. God came and led His people. His people. All of a sudden, they were important as a group, not just as an individual. When He sends His power to us, when God's Spirit comes to us in power, He he brings us together to do incredible and miraculous things through the power of His Spirit. He didn't just mean that for you. He meant it for His people. To serve Him together, to watch Him do incredible things. When God came to give you peace, He didn't just mean it for you. He meant it for the people of God to come together to be ministers. What what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't mean just you, He meant us. We too often read the Bible for me. It's time to start reading it for us as well. For God wants to work through us. Pentecost is a very clear understanding of God with us. His Spirit in us. Among us. Working through us. And we want to talk about how that works this morning. Because it's incredible as we begin to work together what God will begin to do in such powerful and miraculous ways. Now don't get me wrong. God can work just through you. He can do that. God is is the Almighty God. God can do whatever God wants. Let me tell you. And sometimes God does. As a matter of fact, sometimes God does because no one else wants to go with you. And God's calling. If only Charlie had decided to go across on dry ground, God would have led Charlie across and let the rest of the Israelites stay there if that's where they want to be. But they would have missed out on the incredible miracles that God had yet to do. And they would have lost sight of the victory that God had for the people of God. And they would have lost sight of the the incredible witness that that was going to bring to the people uh, of... um, Yeah, oh no. Uh, Yeah, the people of Canaan, but in particular Jericho. Because you remember, don't you? When they got to, to, to talk to Rahab, Rahab's response was, all of Jericho is scared to death because they have heard about the incredible power of the God of Charlie. Now, of the people of Israel, the people of God. So I want you to see this morning the Spirit in light of us. Because we're in this together, brothers and sisters. 
And God's doing incredible things. First of all, I want you to see that this God, this God sends His Spirit to bind us together. You know, molecules and atoms are interesting things. And I used to spend a lot of time thinking about them and reading about them because I was studying engineering. When I quit studying engineering, I really kind of stopped thinking about that stuff. And I realize now that uh, those who are still studying those things have gotten way beyond whatever I understood. But my understanding still is that they're not sure what holds it all together. Oh, they, they have names for it, but they're really not sure how it all holds together. Now, when I was in school, the question was an atom. What holds an atom together? And in particular, the nucleus, what held that together? And and there was a whole lot of theories about what that was. And I'm sure they're well beyond that now. But what I've heard uh, as I've listened to other scientists, I still hear them say they're not clear why it all holds together. Something has to hold it together. And that's not just true in Adams. That's certainly true in our country, isn't it? Because you see, we used to think that somehow we could hold together because we had common values. And so we held to those values. But now we see that those common values aren't commonly held anymore. And so then we thought, well, because of our our commonality in government, we'll we'll hold together because of that. But what we've discovered now is that that's not holding together. And so we read our coin, e pluribus unum, and we, we throw up our hands and we say, how can we be one when we are so divided? And some people ask the same thing of the church. And I'll tell you how we can be one. We can be one if we allow the binding force of the Spirit of God to hold us together. Notice I didn't say if we all believed and exactly the same things. Did you notice that? I didn't say that. I said if we allow the Spirit of God to bind us together. One of the hardest things about um, being a part of the body of God uh, and the body of Christ is that different parts of the body uh, tend to decide they want to do and believe and go in different directions. You ever notice that? Um, And so how do we as the body still hold together? Well, I, I figured it out a little bit. Um, because frequently what's happening up here and what's coming out of here isn't the same. Have you ever had that problem? Maybe that happens more as you get older, but um, I'll know exactly what I want to say. But for some reason, this part of the body isn't figuring it out with what this part of the body is doing. And so I struggle with words, and, and so I have this word, and I know what the word is, and I know what I want to say, but I can't say it because I can't seem to come up with the right word in my mouth. And so I'm struggling. How, what, what am I going to say? And, and sometimes the word comes out totally wrong, and I'm thinking, what's wrong with my body? The mind was right, the mouth was wrong. 
Why is that? Well, does that mean my mind and my mouth are no longer connected? Of course not. They're still very connected. As a matter of fact, they still work together most of the time. And when they don't work together, it takes me a few minutes, but eventually it will work itself out. And sometimes I need help from other parts of the body. Sometimes helps. <laughs> sometimes just getting in the, it's funny, sometimes just getting in the right position helps. You ever notice that? You just kind of change position, all of a sudden it comes, oh, okay, yeah. It's amazing how the body works together, even when it's not necessarily working in the same direction. Uh, one, of, one of the fun parts to me about being a drummer is that when you're playing the set, every hand and every foot is doing something different. Now, if you're really good, and I never quite got to this point, but if you're really good, you can separate each one and they do something different and, and they, without even thinking about it. Now, for me, things get connected, and I have to have them connected to work right. My drum teacher uh, was mean. And one day he came in and he said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Today we're going to change your feet and your hands. So the one hand would be doing the ride cymbal and the other the drum. Now it's the other way around. And he said, and your feet are going to change. So the foot that does the hi-hat and the foot that does the bass drum now was swapped. So the foot that did the bass drum was now doing the hi-hat and the foot that did the hi-hat is now doing the bass drum. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, that's mean. And difficult. But he knew that if I could do that, even if everything was going a different direction, they would then be able to continue to make music and do it even better, even though they were headed in different directions. You see, when God comes into our lives, when the Spirit of God begins to work in a body, the body of Christ, then the body of Christ may be going different directions at different times. And it may seem to make no sense to us, and yet God is up there smiling because He's put it all together. As a matter of fact, when he came to his body, he, he filled his body with that ruach. I love that Hebrew word. Because it, it's, it's got such broad meaning. It can mean spirit. As a matter of fact, when you read ruach in the Old Testament, it's the ruach of God, the spirit of God. But you can also read about the ruach the, the wind that blows, which is why in our scripture this morning, this great, what sounded like a great wind, filled the room. So that everyone was touched by this wind, the Spirit of God, all of a sudden available, boom! And so as God comes and moves in and through us, he puts the parts together so that we, the body of Christ, become alive. Now some of us think, not some of us, but some people think, I should say, that they can be a part of the body without being a part of the body. You know what I'm saying? They think that somehow they can be a part of the church 
without really being a part of the church. As a matter of fact, some people have been so hurt by the church that they have actually moved away from the church. They don't want anything to do with the church. And part of me understands that. I've watched people get hurt by, by the church over and over again. But you see, uh, the Apostle Paul made it clear. He said, that, that'd be like your, your hands saying, I don't want to be a part of the body anymore, so I'm just going to sit over here. And not do anything. Well, what good is that? It doesn't help the body. It doesn't move the body. It doesn't help them. It doesn't help the body. It, it just kind of sits there. But when the Spirit of God comes and enables the body to live, then those pieces come together and they become incredible. Jesus is that... The Spirit of God is that binding force. It's like in Genesis. You remember in Genesis when God created the human being, He created the body out of the dust of the earth. Mess that it was. And folks, people who come to church are a mess. I can tell you. You know how I know that? Because I know you. No. Because I know me. And I'm a mess. Uh, I was talking to my sister about a situation and, and she said, wow, those people are really messed up. And I said, yeah, the sad part is we're those people. Because <laughs> we're all broken. We all come broken. So God, out of the dust of the ground, makes this body, creates this body. And then what's He do? You remember, right? He breathes into His nostrils the breath of life. And by the way, breath there is the same word, ruach. Same as wind, same as spirit. And the man became a what? Living being. And the Spirit of God comes upon us. He binds us together so that we can become alive. It's like in a marriage. When you, know, when you make covenant in a marriage, that's great. Um, but if you really don't want to be involved in that marriage, that covenant means nothing. But if you are involved in that covenant, then the two, the Scripture says, become one flesh. Remember? They become one. They become united. And as they, as they make covenant, they become united. And you need to understand, when we sit around the table and take that cup, in the first century Judaism, when when a bride was betrothed to a groom, and the groom and the bride's father had decided on the bridal price, and everything was all set to go, there was a chance for the woman to say no. I know in our culture, or what we've been taught is, well, she had to do it. No, that wasn't the case. She had a chance to say no. And the key was the groom would bring a cup to the bride-to-be. Already, the deal was already done with dad. And he would offer her the cup. And at that point, she had a choice. Now, I say she had a choice, but think about it, right? The deal's already been done. The families are already informed. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of pressure here. Why? Because it's not just about this man and this woman. It's about the whole community, right? But she still could have said no I won't take the cup. The minute she drank from the cup, then it was solidified. From that point on, they were to be united. 
That's why when we sit around the table and you partake of the cup, it's not just about you. It's about the church who is the bride of Christ. Do you remember that? And we partake of that together to say yes. I say yes to Jesus, to my relationship with Him. But I also say yes to those I partake with because we are the body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes and brings us together and makes us one with Jesus and one with one another. You with me? All right. So we share together in communion. Now, the next thing that happens, so this force, is this spirit is not just uh, the binding force, but it's also the amazing force. Stick with me because this gets better all the time. The amazing. Did you notice when they got when the spirit came, they began to speak together and they spoke together in different languages. I hope you caught that because I worked real hard to get all those names right. That's not easy. But people from all over the world were beginning to hear the wonders of God in their own language. Now we we frequently read, "Wow, isn't that amazing?" They did all those languages. That's not what was amazing. What was amazing was the wonders of God were being declared to everybody. And why was that? That's because the Spirit of God was working through the people of God to do amazing things. The prophet Joel tells us that in the end, in the last days, in the days of the Lord, which I believe are the days that we've already begun to get into, things are going to happen. It says this, and afterward I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And then he says this, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors who call whom the Lord calls. You see... uh, The amazing part is not all the different languages. The amazing part is they're all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The salvation of our God. That everybody can be saved. That's amazing. You see, you read that and you think, oh yeah, so what? Everybody can be saved. That's amazing that God has decided to choose not just one or two. He wants to choose everybody. The question is, will you choose Him? You see, He loves you so much that He wants to step into your life. He wants to bring you into a body of believers where you can be supported, where you can be loved, where you can be encouraged. He doesn't want you to be alone anymore. He wants to bring you into a body of believers where you can experience what it means to be saved, set free from all those things that have bound you all these years. And that happens not just in a moment, because for some of those things, they'll just, Jesus will just wipe them away, and that's great. But there'll be other things you'll struggle with. And the good news is there'll be other people in the body of believers who have struggled with the same thing. And they'll help you, and they'll encourage you, and they'll pray for you. As you walk that path, as you see God transform you, not just that day, but over a period of time as He makes you more and more like Him. We have this image that salvation is a one-moment experience. 
And in a sense it is, in that once you say yes to Jesus, He he saves you. He pulls you out of the miry clay. He sets you on solid ground. But the neat thing is, He continues to transform you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you're different today than you were last week, then you haven't been following lately. Because He wants to continue to make you more like Him. He wants to sanctify you. He wants you to be so filled with the Spirit that you begin to see God's wonders everywhere and that you begin to declare them. When was the last time you declared something amazing that you saw God do? Uh, uh, Yesterday as we were working on the roof, um, uh, it was interesting because we got a phone call um, if I understand the story correctly, and I'm getting this third hand, so. but Zella, uh, Zella got a phone call um, from her daughter who lives um, somewhere around there. Anyway, um, she wanted to know what was going on. The, she wanted us to know that people were asking what was going on at that lady's house, that so many people were there. What was going on there? What are those people doing over there? Now, if Francis and I had been alone up on that roof, first of all, we'd still be there. Until <laughs> next Thursday or so. Um, but thirdly, no one would have noticed. But when the people of God got together to do something because they love somebody, it gets noticed. Now that's not to say that sometimes we don't on an individual basis reach out and help somebody. That's not to say that. What I'm saying is that when we begin to work together, amazing things begin to happen. And people begin to take notice. When we're all busy living on our own without being a part of the body, then very few people will notice. When we work together, one of the things I like about our, our fellowship here is that um, we tend to do a number of things together. And what I really like is you don't have to be involved in everything. Isn't that great? I, you know, so, sometimes uh, some churches are, are small enough that if they're going to do something, everybody's got to be involved in it. So, but in our church, it's kind of fun because uh, you get one group doing this and one group doing that, one group doing the other thing. But, but as those groups get together, they begin to share the good news of Jesus Christ on a larger scale than just an individual. Because the Spirit of God begins to work through the group in a powerful way. Amazing things begin to happen. And the most amazing thing is the salvation of our God. And, and I want to be very clear that when the disciples began to speak, the miracle wasn't that they spoke in different tongues. The miracle was that they were all declaring the good news of Jesus Christ. Because that's what the Spirit of God does. It's amazing. Amazing force. So it's not just the binding force, the amazing force, uh, but perhaps one of the most exciting parts, and we're way over time. Thank you, Mark, for giving me extra time uh, this morning. Uh, but one of the most amazing things is that the disciples, because they were so filled with the Spirit, people began to think they were drunk. Now, I don't think anybody would have made that mistake here this morning, uh, thinking that any of you were drunk. Uh, I, I think that's interesting. 
Um, However, I do believe that there are times when the Spirit of God comes into our midst and we begin to celebrate so much that other people might think, man, those people are either crazy or they've had too much to drink. Now, I've seen that happen in this church over and over again as we celebrate what God is doing. And we don't celebrate with alcohol. We celebrate with the Spirit of God. And too often we forget that we're here to celebrate. You see, when Jesus came, uh, and most of you know this, right? John 3.16, that God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have everlasting life. That's a great verse. But you need to read verse 17. Because verse 17 is an awesome verse. Verse 17 says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Do you you hear the difference? Too often today, the church is seen as that group of people that says we can't have any fun, we can't do this, we can't do that, we can't do the other thing. The good news is that Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world would see what a powerful, awesome God we have who wants us to have the best life and to enjoy it. So when you get up in the morning you say, oh no, another day, you are, you are quenching the Spirit of God in your life. And when we get together and we say, oh well, I had to come to church today. My parents made me come to church today. Sorry if that's what you did today. My parents made me come to church. You miss what God is doing. God wants you to celebrate what He's doing in, in our midst. And get excited. Get excited about what's happening. You see, to me what's really exciting is that when that joy of the Spirit comes to begin to work in your life, even the bad days have some piece of joy in it. Uh, I talked to a brother uh, this last week who actually works as, uh, he takes the tickets at the parking ramp. And he fills in, so he's not there all the time. Um, but we always share Scripture back and forth, which is a lot of fun. And, and so I handed him my ticket, and he said, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I said, yeah, it's a beautiful day. It's a great day. We will rejoice and be glad in it. He said, you know, yesterday it was raining. And he said, someone said to me, this is a horrible day. Look at it, it's raining. And he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I said, yes! Because God is bringing rain which fills our wells, that waters our plants, that brings forth growth. This is exciting! This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We can do that because God does awesome things. I always think of the story of the blind man. You know, the the Pharisees didn't get the blind man's story because they thought God wasn't about making people happy. And so when Jesus heals the blind man, they're trying to figure out <clears throat> why would Jesus do this thing if He was really from God? I'm like, what kind of a question is that? Our God is God who wants you to be filled with joy. And what more joy could you have than to be physically healed? And can you imagine not being able to see from birth and all of a sudden you can see? I'm sure the blind man said, oh man, look, now I have to look at these people. <clears throat> it's, like, it's like, when, of course, when I was a kid, we had black and white TV. I'll never forget when I was in high school, we actually got 
a color TV. Talk about disappointing. I had imagined what all those colors were when it was black and white, and they got them all wrong when they made it color. <laughs> and they were grainy too, but <coughs> I'm sure the guy, when he received his sight, was so excited and so filled with joy because those limitations he had before were now lifted. You see, when God comes into our lives, He's about taking away our limitations and giving us opportunity to do incredible things as a body of believers. And one of the exciting things to me is when I don't understand the computer, I can call one of these 12-year-old kids and they can explain it. Or at least fix it. Because God is at work in them. You see, and when I'm struggling on the roof to figure out how the next shingle goes on, I can call upon one of those guys up there that are older than me. I won't name them. Who've done many roofs before and they can give me some idea of a better way to do it. You see, we are living in an incredible group of people right here who can help us, encourage us. I always tell people who are getting married in our congregation, you are so blessed because when you have a dispute between you and your spouse, you don't have to go to your parents because when you go to your parents, whose side are they going to take? But we have a bunch of people here that have been married 40, 50, 60. I think we have someone still 60 years. I bet you they've experienced whatever the fight is you're having right now. They've been there. What an incredible gift. We should be filled with joy. The blind man says, I don't know, but this is what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Awesome. He can celebrate. What are you celebrating today? You know what's amazing to me is even in the darkest moments we can celebrate because you see the darkest moment is when the person we love is lying up front. No longer alive in this world. You say, how do you have joy in that moment? Well, in that moment, the way the the way we have joy is we have other believers around us who hold us and pray with us and cry with us and remind us that in Christ, death is not an end, that Jesus walked out of that tomb alive. In the midst of the darkest moment, you can be assured of hope. The Apostle Paul put it this way, death has been swallowed up in victory. There is hope in that moment. And you may not be feeling it. And people say, well, God said He would fill me with joy. I don't, be, I don't feel filled with joy. That's because God filled the church with joy. You're a part of it. Someday it's going to come around and fill you again. Just stick with the people of God and watch what happens. And one of the saddest parts to me about grief is that grief tends to isolate people. Because people are so hurt. And I get this. I'm an introvert. Boy, I tell you, when I hurt, I just want to be alone. Leave me alone. Don't come talk to me. But when do we need each other the most? When that hurt is deepest. 
And you may not need 15 people, but it's good to have one who comes alongside you says, listen, let me pray with you and walk with you. God promised to walk with us through this. The psalmist said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. You see, our God is an awesome God who has given us His Spirit, which is a binding force, an amazing force, and a joy-filling force. And some of you came this morning and you didn't feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. You were struggling. You're, you're just down and out. I get that. I don't mean that right now you should stand up and say, oh, good, everything's fine. And some of you came in saying that and you don't feel that way. All right, let's get honest with each other a minute. You don't have to feel that way right now. What you have to know is that there are people around you that love you enough that you can be yourself. And if you hurt, they hurt. And they pray with you. And they encourage you. And they remind you of God's love. Some of you came this morning. You're not seeing God at work anymore in your life. I hope this morning, as we began to share what God was doing, that you began to see that God is still very much alive and working in the lives of God's people. And He wants to work in you again. And He is with you. And He's going to show you something new if you're willing to open your eyes and be open to His Spirit this week. The question isn't Him. The question is you. And maybe the question is, you have yet to say yes to Him. You see, some people play this game where they come to church and they, they, they want to be a part, but they're not willing to commit. You see, they're willing to go part way, but they don't want to go all the way. And then they don't understand, why isn't God working in my life? Well, the problem is, you have yet to say yes to Him. It's not that He doesn't want to work in your life. He's waiting for you to say, yes, I commit myself to you. Jesus, I believe you died for me, and if you died for me, I want to give you my life. I'll do whatever you ask. I'll go wherever you want me to go. That's the type of commitment He's looking for. When you say that, you'll begin to see Him work. Stop holding back. Today's your day. He's going to come and do something amazing. Today's your day. Don't stop. Don't hold back. He wants to bind you to the people of God. He wants to call you His and make you a part of an incredible family. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we ask that You would come even now and bind us together. That Your Spirit would fall upon us. That You would fill us just as that wind came on that first Pentecost. Lord, may Your Spirit come in power among us, within us, between us. We ask that You'd heal the brokenness. That You'd transform us today. We pray for those, Lord, who are sitting on the fence. and that They're almost there, but something's holding them back. We pray this morning, Lord Jesus, Your Holy Spirit would just come and push whatever that is out of the way. And that today they'd say yes. Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that that joy that has been sapped from our lives because of circumstances, because of what's happening in our world, what's happening in our relationships, that even now you'd be 
coming and, and filling us with that joy, recognizing that it's not based on that. It's based on Your Spirit at work in us. And for those, Lord Jesus, for whom that joy is a long way away because of loss or hurt, we pray that You begin to fill that brokenness and lead them through they might find the grace that You have. Thank You for being here this morning. Thank You for the rain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.